Jesse Duck Edwards is back for season two. And for this season premiere episode, I have an amazing guest. None other than Chris Sneezak from our very own Misdirected Martin. He comes on, he talks about the network, how he got into gaming, how he got into game design, the whole thing. It's like an origin story over here. It's worth listening to. I'm glad I'm back. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad Chris can come on. You know what? Without further ado, let's get to it. Check out what Chris has to say. I'm very excited, Chris, to have you on the lounge. Um, well, you you got me just after I got out of work, so. Oh wow! Okay, so and this is just before I go into work. So this is uh, this will be uh, we're we're. You shifts. just woke up. I'm just getting ready to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, how have you been, man? Uh, tired. It's yeah. been a month, a little over a month now working third shift. It's not the greatest thing in the world, but it's a job and it pays decently and, uh, you know, benefits and all that good stuff. So that's, that's always good. I like being able to pay my rent. Yeah. Paying Cause rent. let me tell you, game design does not pay rent it's very <laughs> effectively. <laughs> Funny how that works. Like, yeah, there, there, there's a, there's a, a level that suddenly does pay rent and, you know, but getting to that level takes a while. Yeah. Um, now I won't I won't complain too much because we just got a a bunch of money for a couple of different things ooh. and uh, I'm using that money to to buy a car so I mean okay. like a, a used a used car obviously so like it's not a lot of it's uh, it's not a very nice car but it's something that'll go from point A to point B. Hey, that's I mean that's what you need a car for, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's um it's it's interesting because you know I know I've met a lot of people since uh since we've kind of you know gotten you and i have gotten to know each other who've been like i want to be a game designer and the reality of being a game designer has become very clear to me um and it's like it's tough yes i i mean i tried for two years to uh to do this thing and um it just didn't i just wasn't good enough and that's uh there's a level of i mean people are like you know i mean not very many people are able to do this thing full time. And I'm like, yeah, but I wasn't one of them. And that's, and I get it right. You know, you get it. And maybe I'll take another crack at it now of knowing what I know in a, in a couple of years, but for now I'm, um, I'm just kind of focusing down on not taking as much freelance work and doing the encoded designs, misdirected Mark thing, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I can, I can do it that much and still, you know, have a life and still work, you know, 40 hours a week and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice. It's sometimes it's nice to be gainfully employed while you're doing that that thing. Um, and, uh, if you're, I mean, sometimes you're working third shift, you get the opportunity to like jump on your phone and throw ideas down and stuff like that. So that depends on what, yeah, actually, actually this morning was nice. Cause um, I'm a custodian uh, at a college oh. and, uh, they want us to be done by, I mean, I have to be there till seven 30. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a timed shift and, you know, I could put around and do, do things here or there, but like I'm a floater. So, I uh, I wander around the building with a crew of six other people, and I make sure that everybody's 
that needs help gets their help. And usually by the time six o'clock rolls around, we're all done. So we kind of just chill for like an hour, hour and a half. And guess what I do in that hour, hour and a half? I, of course. Yeah. 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 And I usually do work on my lunch. Like uh, last night over my lunch, I put up down with the ND episode 181. Cause I forgot to do it last week. Cause I'm, uh, you know, been, it's been kind of terrible trying to get adjusted to this new sleep schedule and whatnot. Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the, the, that's, I, I feel like that's one of the things that I take joy in at my job because I'm not a fan of a lot of things at my job. <laughs> um, uh, but, um, and I'm not going to go into any details on that in recording, but, um, but one of the things is that, you know, there's enough downtime where I can really do stuff. So, um, it's like, well, you know, that's, that's an advantage to, to what I do is that, um, you know, even though the work is high stress and, and sometimes, you know, I, I start far behind the starting line when I'm on a project. Um, mm-hmm. There's enough time to actually do my stuff. And I feel like I've accomplished a lot just in that free time. So it's nice to be able to kind of take, you know, get that time when you can. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's very useful. It's very helpful. I used to do that when I used to, um, I mean, I got a whole degree while being a custodian at the Buffalo public school system by doing a good chunk of my homework, like probably 60% of it while yeah. I was at work. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I worked, um, I worked nights for years and, uh, the best of that was working as a night auditor, um, at a hotel because, once I distilled the job down, the actual job down to like three hours worth of total work, um, <laughs> I had lots of free time, you know? Right. That's just kind of how that works, right? It was either, and it was a hotel right at the airport. So it was either free time or really strange, weird things happening that I still get to tell <laughs> stories about. So it was, you know, it was like, eh, <laughs> I'll take either one. Yeah, take what you can get. Make make the best of the time that you have. It's not always easy. Um, I'm starting to get get around to working myself up into that again, like making sure that I find the time to do the things that I need to do. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I think sometimes too, like this is what's happened to me. And I feel like you and I parallel each other uh, uh, quite a bit in, in, a, in some ways. Um, do tell. Do tell. I'm curious now. Um, so I, so I think what's happened to me before is that like I've tried to do the creative thing or I've tried to do my own thing, um, and run into walls or something like that. And when I take the job, I just kind of give up a little bit. Um, you know, like, like the frustration is like, well, fine, I guess I'm this now. Um, and uh, I have to, I have to kind of actively force myself not to feel like that. Like, you know, trying is not failing, but that's easy uh, for me to say and not an easy thing to do. The only time someone fails is when they give up. Right. Exactly. Like, I'm just taking this back to, uh, like in my, in, in my case, I'm just taking this back to, I don't know, to, to, to the drawing board, I suppose, like yeah. time to figure out a better a better way to do this that I am not, you know, as stressed or struggling like I have been. Right. Right. I just, I also like, I have some different like goals in life. Like, like I wanted to do this thing and I wanted to be 
super successful at it and, you know, have the, have a life where I could just, you know, write and get paid for it and things like that. I've come to realize like, honestly, that doesn't, it's not what makes me happy. Like mm -hmm. sitting by myself for hours and hours and hours does not do anything good for my, um, my emotional state. Yeah. Uh, and that's another thing I understood before, and I tried to get used to it, and I just never, I just never got around to being okay with sitting by myself for hours. Um, it's not good for my mental health. Yeah. So and, that was something to know about myself. Yeah. If it's if it's not a healthy thing, then then you have to you know reevaluate. Sounds sounds like you are. Also, mm -hmm. I'd like to point out that like in that two years, um, you've helped to grow the brands of. You know, misdirected, mark encoded, and uh, gnome uh, uh, gnome stew. Let's be fair; the gnome stew didn't need my help. Well, but yeah, encoded and misdirected, Marcus, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, like, you know, I, 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 I would look at that and go, "You are amazingly successful." Um, I have never made that degree of success with any of the downtime that I've had. Uh, in the past and, uh, and you inspire me. How about that? Oh, thanks. Thanks, man. I mean, I, I brought you on because you're talented and uh -huh. you are driven. So there's that too. Uh, I mean, now we're just doing the love fest thing, right? Yeah. Uh, here's the, here's the truth about, about a lot of that stuff. Um, I used to be a do it yourself kind of person. Like I would just do everything myself. And then at some point I realized like, this is dumb. I cannot do everything myself. It's not about, it's not about being able to do it all, which I can do it all if I need to, mm -hmm. but it's about finding a bunch of people that I can trust that also share a similar vision or at least close enough similar vision to me uh, and, and put them in positions of of authority and let them do their things too. Mm -hmm. So like, like encoded is encoded is really fills. Like we all are eventually will be probably partners in that when it makes enough money. And it's getting to the point where it might be making enough money every year to do that. Mm -hmm. And when I say that everybody, I'm not saying a lot of money, like, <laughs> uh, I mean, we're pretty transparent. Last year, I think we made twenty thousand dollars as a company. That's not a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, consider that we paid artists and we pay, you know, like taxes and for web space, and we we pay, uh, you know, each other too, like for the work that we do. But we also pay like whoever's writing for us and things. Um, I'll tell you right now, the first part, the first quarter of twenty nineteen was much better than than all of last year. So there's that. <laughs> That's uh, great. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like we. We're, we're doing rather well, but even, even if we, even if we tripled what we made last year, that's still not a lot of money for a company, $60,000. It's not, we're not talking a lot of money here, everybody. Right. That's <laughs> split between, you know, split seven ways plus paying, you know, freelancers and things like that. Right. It's not a lot of money. Right. Um, so like that's a team effort, right? Like we all, we all do our parts on that one. Misdirected Mark was all about going out and finding a bunch of people that wanted to do stuff. Like I hired Robert Brissetta to be our marketing director mm -hmm. for the most part. So he does a great job with that. He's made us very relevant again, which I appreciate, but like Senda has done tons of stuff for Misdirected Mark. She's, she is way more the face these days of, of the, of the network than I am. Mm -hmm. And I like it that way. Like, and she does a ton of the work for it too. And I completely and totally trust her to do those things. I like, she's the one that went and got, went out and got bonus experience. Oh yeah. And that's a great show. I love that show. Oh, good. I love having it on the network. Yeah. Um, so like that, like that's the kind of stuff, like I've, I've taken a, a bit of a step back and I still am managing things in, in certain ways, but like I'm more interested in doing some different programming stuff in the future. And that's kind of where I've been focusing some of my time. But like, I just don't have a lot of time because my life is kind of caught up with me with new job and I'm moving. <laughs> so there's that too. Um, I'm in the middle of that. 
And, uh, you know, I have a lot of freelance work that I have to finish up before I can, before I can stop freelancing. There's, right. there's still some outstanding projects. Plus, you know, there's the streets of Avalon stuff that I'm still working on mm-hmm. constantly. And there's just the, the last couple of touches that I'm doing for Ironetta. So there's all that. Which like, and, and that's, uh, you know, I, I think you, you, you're, you're, uh, good at plate spinning. Um, uh, but it sounds like there's a lot of plates to be spun right now. <laughs> there's a, there's actually too many plates to be spun at the moment. Yeah. I'm actually working really hard at making there be less plates to spin, and I'm not putting up any new ones at the moment until some of those plates go away. That's a good call. That's a good call. Um, I actually uh, – one of the things that was exciting about having you on was um, you've interviewed people on the the former variation of the lounge. Um, yes, I've, I've, I've actually – had a lot of interviews. Yeah. I've done a lot uh, of interviews. Yes. Have you actually ever been interviewed on a lounge? Episode? Uh, not on, not on the lounge, like not on this show. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I know you I was interviewed on, on this show, but um, I'm on misdirected uh, mark at all. That's, I guess that's my question. No, no, because yeah. most of the shows are most of the shows before we really started branching out were, uh, you know what? I was on Hobbs and friends when Hobbs and friends was on the network. Okay. So there's that. Okay. If you can consider that an interview. I don't know if I consider those interviews, though. I mean, they're just kind of fun times chatting with. Yeah, upset. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so no, no show on Mr. Ector Mark. I was on um, Talking Tabletop with McClure. Once. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, I mean, I, I know, I, I, I thought you had done some, some interviews and, and whatnot, but I was excited because... Uh, I got, I, I would get to pick your brain in some ways that I wasn't sure anybody really had. So, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I have questions prepared even pick away. Oh uh, yeah. So, um, well, I, what I really wanted to, to start with is, is what got you into gaming in the first place? I, I, I know you've told this story on past episodes of misdirected Mark. Um, but I don't know that I've ever heard it. So in, into tabletop role playing games or just games in general? Um, let's let's start with games in general and and work into tabletop. Uh, I don't remember what got me into games in general. All I know is I've been playing board games of, in some way, shape, or form since I was like five or six years old. Wow. Okay. Um, like I, I just love playing games. I ha- always have. I, I was always fascinated with them. I always like pulled them out. I always loved playing them. Um. From Monopoly, and it used to be not hobby games. Obviously, when I was a kid, like heck, I would play Tiddlywinks or Monopoly or whatever, like uh, the game of life. There's this game called Haunted Mansion. They used to play with my aunt. My uh, one of my aunts, her her name's Diane. She was a really big influence on me for playing board games because she used to babysit us, me and my sister, when we were really young and I was older. So when everybody went down for for a nap, me and my aunt would play board games. Uh, so like, yeah, like Clue or Mastermind or games like that. So, you know, that was, it was a ton of fun, right? Um, that That's what got me into, uh, into board games. I've been playing them my entire life. So that's, uh, that's that. I, I love video games too, because I got into JRPGs when I was a kid. So like that, and I like sports games too. I used to play Tecmo Super Bowl all the time and NHL 94. So like I'm not your, uh, I suppose I'm not your mostly classic nerd. Like I, I like sports a lot. I used to play a lot of hockey. Uh, so there's that too. Um, and then when it comes to tabletop games, so it can go one of two ways. So like the board game avenue was I played a ton of Hero Quest when I was like ten. Okay. Uh, 
so and by my uh, my friend uh, had Hero Quest and he got the expansion, a couple of the expansion packs, the Kelmar's Keep and Return of the Witch Lord. So I've played like like 50 missions of Hero Quest when I was a kid. Which, if anybody remembers that game, Heroes, Hero Quest is like you play it on a board and there's like a dungeon master who plays, it's called Zargon, and you have your four heroes, the Barbarian, the Elf, the Dwarf, and the Magic User. Oh. And it the 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 it's just a board, right? There's a board, but like because of all the tiles that come with it, you can eventually like build unique dungeons on it. So there was all these different quests that you would go on, and I you know played through like fifty of them. It was um, it was my high school. It was so uh, I played so much Hero Quest. Yeah, that was middle school for me. Um, mm. And then I was uh, a different friend. I was out at their their cabin, their uh, cabin on the lake in Watertown, which is uh, you probably know where Watertown is because oh. you're from New York State, but Watertown's to the in the in the um in the western part of New York State, but to the north of it, to the north edge of it. And uh, we were there on the lake, and one night, um, one of the one of my friend's cousins, who was older, busted out Gamma World. So we played ah. Gamma World, like a one shot of Gamma World, and I'm like, this is amazing. And then, because it was like playing Hero Quest, but it was like a, it was more than that. We played, you know, it was theater of the mind. Like, you know, we were run, run, wandering around this nuclear wasteland, and bad things were happening. It was constantly. It was, it was a blast. Um, and then a couple weeks later, my my uh my friend's older brother was like, I'll run a D and D game for you. So we played like Isle of the Ape. We each played two characters, fought a bunch of dinosaurs, uh, ran into these these knights with these pearl this pearl armor on and they said give us the thing like either we fought them or gave them the thing and we chose to give them the thing and then they sent us hell to hell and i'm like well that was cool like we're terrible <laughs> at this uh at that point though i was like you know what i'm just gonna run i'm gonna start running games so then i started running games from that point on i think i was 12 so i've been running role-playing games since i was 12 years old nice uh yeah there you go that's, that's me getting started that's uh, that's exactly um Wow, I had no idea that Gamma World was your first game. Gamma World was my first. I mean, unless you count Hero Quest, Gamma World is my first role playing game. I yeah, I I feel like you kind of have to to count Hero Quest. It's funny because I don't. Whenever I talk about like my experience uh, uh, playing games, I never mention Hero Quest, but it was pretty formative. One of the things I'll say about Hero Quest is that um, we used to play Hero Quest between. Uh, tabletop RPG campaigns like like oh. we would we would run through games and stuff like that but if people couldn't wait make it hero quest was the default and um, my friend Blair Blair Kasich who um, who we used to go over to his house and hang out in his basement all the time he would keep all the hero quest stuff at his house and one day he just started painting it Um and a few years later, he won a golden demon from uh, game uh, from Citadel. Miniatures. Yeah, and that's legit right there. He, he was he uh, was employed by them for a little while, um, and now his his side business is is painting armies for like rich people. Hundreds of dollars, yeah, <laughs> thousands of dollars sometimes, depending on how many minis there are. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he makes good money. So that started with him painting the Hero Quest minis. So you know that's uh, that's I, 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 one of those the other or, origin stories that connected in my head as you were as you were saying that. Um, so you were playing games for years and years. Um, now, have you mostly played 
uh, I know, I know this has changed now, but have you, had you mostly played D and D? Yes. I played second edition D and D for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I played third edition D and D when that came out. Um, and then we, I, I, every once in a while, something would come up that we would play something slightly different. Like I played alternative a couple times. Okay. And, but not much. Um, and I played, uh, we played like some D20 variants in, in this one group that I had. Uh, we played like a pulp D20 variant, which was pretty fun mm-hmm. for a little while. That was enjoyable. Um, but yeah, mostly, it's been mostly D&D the entire time until, uh, until, until more quite recently, until like, the, well, not recently at this point, man, because I've been podcasting for a while, until about eight years ago. Okay. <laughs> so then things started changing when I started uh when I started getting into more indie games and then I, you know, started playing fate. And, uh, I think that was really the first game that I started playing that was very different mm-hmm. from anything else. Um, yeah. And so there was that. And then, then it goes into a whole different realm of playing different types of indie, what people would consider indie games, small book games, story games. I don't know. It's, it's call it what you want, like between the trad and the story and whatnot. Like it's this, it's hard to, to, to define those things these days. Well, right. Well, and that's the thing, like, you know, I think I, if you, if you think of traditional games, the fact that the Dungeons and Dragons is, is mainstream, you know, that, that seems like, oh, well then that's the game that is the most traditional. So if you diverge from that, but like, yeah, how do you, do, how do you define, you know, would you, do people consider Savage Worlds then also a traditional game? Cause that's really different, but then like, I don't know. I, I I've I've heard those terms, and I'm I'm often confused by them myself. Um, uh, the, I guess the best way to describe them is, at least the best ways that we've been able to figure out to describe them is like we did this episode a while ago on layers. Mm-hmm. It was a long long time ago now, and when you talk about layers, you're talking about what point of view you're mostly playing the game from. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're playing the game from the character point of view. You you tend to be playing a more, and and your control is mostly from the character point of view, then you're playing more of a traditional styled game. Okay. Or an OS or even an OSR game, right? Like e- right. either one of those things. But the the difference between traditional, I suppose, if I'm going to try to try to do this, and it's go, I'm going to do a terrible job. There's a usually a bunch more rules around traditional games to interact with. Mm-hmm. Um from that character perspective. Uh, whereas OSR games, there's a little bit more adjudication and um, player skill comes to the forefront in that style of play. Okay. Uh, whereas, and then story games are where like you're playing, not just from the character point of view, but you're playing from the player point of view, trying to manipulate and craft the story together. Yeah. Huh. So, you know, that's, uh, really it, it depends on, Hmm. That's a really good definition. Well, you know, I mean, we've been, if you go and listen to the Mr. X and Mark podcast, we've been talking about this kind of stuff for like, you know, seven years <laughs> and, and not doing a very good job of it all the time, but you figure you get it right after, you know, what do they say? A, a, a blind squirrel finds an acorn now and again. That's, that's right. That's right. Um, yes. Uh, or a stopped clock is, oh, I guess you're not stopped. You're, you're working. That's a, terrible... a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah. Um, but, that being said, um, I think that you guys are right way more than twice a day. Um, I, I, I love the fact that you, that you, you work to define things that really haven't been defined 
all that much in my experience. And it could be that I'm not, that I haven't listened to like misdirected Mark in, in a lot of ways is the first gaming podcast that I ever listened to. Um, quick aside with that. So you running fate, um, was what got me to hear about misdirected Mark because I was gaming with a guy named rich, rich Hewitt. And, um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, he was, we were talking about podcasts and stuff like that. And he mentions like, Oh, there's this, this podcast out of Buffalo called misdirected Mark. Um, and I, and the, the, one of the hosts ran fate for me and it was like the great, like the best gaming experience. And that's hmm. like what hit, got him to love fate. And I was like, Oh, cool. And, um, that got me started listening to you guys and, you know, I like Rich. Rich is a nice guy. Yeah, Rich he is cool. He, live, he lives somewhere down south now, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It's not, not around here anymore. He moved down to uh, uh, South Carolina, I think it was. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, Fate's a, Fate's a really good game system, and it's now it's old. It's funny. Right, right. <laughs> it, it, like, like that, like, and I feel like Fate is, like, originally was – you know, what you might call a non-traditional game or, or an, maybe not indie. Well, I don't know. Would you call it an indie game? I feel like. Maybe. Yeah, of course you would. Okay. Why wouldn't you? I like, guess. I mean, I guess like what's, this is the problem. Like if it's, it, it was made by evil hat when evil hat was still, in my opinion, a very much an indie company and they are still sort of a very, not, not huge company or anything like that. They're still yeah. a small company, but I wouldn't call them indie anymore. Like they still make indie ish game, I, what people consider indie games, but like, they're a company. They have like a lo- like a logo, and they make these Kickstarters that have like good production values. And um, they had more employees, or at least a bunch of writers and things like that on their staff and artists and whatnot. But I mean, it's not like it's a one-person shop, right? Like right. Jason Pitt. Jason Pitt is an indie game designer because he right. does everything himself, right? For the most part, <laughs> like that's indie right there, right? Like I'm a one-person shop, which by the way, everyone out there, if you're making games, stop being one-person shops. Uh, that is my best advice I can give to you. Go find a team of people that you can uh, like, you know, share a vision with and then, you know, go and build things together. And like, yeah, maybe you have the game that you want to make and they have the game that they want to make. So help each other make those games. Yeah. Collaboration. It'll, it'll go better. It'll go better for you. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, it's, I like I have learned that lesson the hard way uh, uh, a few times myself. And um, yeah, um, that's why if I have ideas, I'm always now I'm like, I think this might be an idea and then I'll play with it until I I can't put any more into it. Um, And if I think it's ready, it'll go out to you guys. But I'm not I'm not rushing anything anymore. So that's my thing because I rush things and it doesn't end up looking like what I want it to. Um, which is a lesson I've learned from you. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that that's a, a, a value. Your show is about advice for game designers in a lot of ways. It is now. Yeah. Um, it I mean, didn't start that's what out. We do that, so that we right? talk about, I mean, it's, yeah, it didn't start out that way. It was about game mastering. Um, Okay. It was about it was about gaming, game mastering, um, and entertaining people. Like the, the the tagline used to be gaming, game mastering, entertaining you, our listeners. Yeah. Um, but you know, the more we got into publishing and game design, it became more a show about game design and game publishing. 
So there's that too. I mean, we still talk about game mastering and we still talk about playing games and we talk about games themselves, but like, yeah, we, we really do break down. We like, we did it by breaking down mechanics. Actually that, that whole series of a hundred and change episodes since Phil joined the show, like Mm -hmm. Phil's been on the podcast. We're at like 300 and I don't know, 50 episodes, over 350 episodes. Phil joined it around like 104, 105. Mm -hmm. Like we've been breaking down mechanics since then. And that helped us be better designers because we understood how the stuff was interacting with the games. And then like, you know, more concepts creeped up and like, there's a lot of smart, smart people out there, right? Like the gauntlet has lots of smart things going on in it. So like you can go there and check stuff out every once in a while. There's people on the internet that say clever things. Like uh, I can't remember his name, but the gentleman that came up with the idea of the core loop in oh, yeah. games. I'm like, Oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's well, and that, one of the, the strengths of, I think uh, I, I the, the the misdirected mark network of fans is that um, that they you know they help to bring those things to the fore you know instead of uh, the three of you uh, four of you now right yes Camden Wright is the the newest host yes which is amazing uh, and it's really more than just that like that's the main show right but like sure. Senda is also really important right. to stuff like that because she finds things and Monica and Ray are really important to that especially Monica like I like Ray a lot. I like talking to her about writing, but Monica is, is like is in the in the trenches doing game design these days. So like it's fun to talk to her about that stuff. Um, just like every and, and Sean Merwin too, right? Like oh, so, yeah. all that all those people are in, in integral in, in, uh, integral to the process of like coming up with this, these ideas. Well, so I, I actually wanted to to talk a little bit about where um, the idea of misdirected Mark originally came from because you were there right at day one. Yes. Yeah. So tell me. So why did I start a podcast? Yeah. Uh, I had been listening to podcasts and sports talk radio for years. Like, Mm -hmm. I love that stuff. Uh, Starting with sports talk radio, like, since I was, like, in my early 20s. And then, you know, eventually I found out that there were these things called podcasts because I got an iPod for Christmas one year. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the nanos that you could clip on. And then I'm like, wow, I can listen to podcasts about gaming. So I started listening to podcasts about gaming. And back then there wasn't as much as there is now. Like it was a still a newfangled thing. So I was listening to like Bear Swarm and uh, Fear the Boot because Fear the Boot's been around forever. And uh, man, what uh, there was there was the Podcast. Um, I think the Jankcast was around back then too before we started. Uh, the uh, the games, the thing. Man, these are old, yeah. old shows that I'm trying to remember. Because like, that was Ron Blessing and Veronica Blessing. Um, who else there was the there used to be the the pulp gamer network out of arizona and they used to put out shows i used to listen to them all the time too before they stopped making shows huh. uh i can't remember what those shows what those shows were called but like i think the like for a while fear the boot and and the games i think were part of that network but they had other shows too and i really enjoyed those uh so like those were the, and Happy Jacks too, because Happy Jacks has been around for longer than than we have. They're one of the reasons why I got into podcasting too. Okay. Um. So like those were the those are the shows that I listened to, and I'm like, I really want to get in on the radio thing. Like, and I tried like three or four times to start up like making making podcasts, and I just was like, well. I tried to do this too cheaply. Like I didn't have the right kind of microphones or the right kind of equipment. And then I decided to spend some money and invest And I spent way more money than I should have, but I don't think of that anymore because like, I'm still using the same mixer that I bought day one. Right. So I might've spent 250 bucks on that mixer, but I've been using it for seven years. Right. 
Right. So I got my money out of it, right? Yeah. Um, I, I'm even using some of the same microphones that I got day one. Uh, so there you go. Like the mic I'm talking to you right on right now, uh, this mic, which, which cost me like 220 bucks, I've been using it for seven years. It's a nice mic. I like it a lot. So I, once I spent the money, then I had the gear and I figured out how to record stuff. And I recorded a few test episodes and um, I got a website and, you know, figured out how to load, you know, audio files onto the website and <laughs> made sure that I had a, made sure that I had a host that could take us, a, a, you know, a, a decent sized file. and uh, you know, it was all self-taught. It was a lot of work yeah. and a lot of teaching myself things. It's a lot easier now to get started with podcasting. Let me tell you. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And I, uh, and I went to town and I just, I, I told myself one thing, if I was going to do this thing, I was going to be as consistent as humanly possible. And I was going to release an episode every week for as long as I was going to do it. So, I mean, I haven't done that for seven years, but I've been pretty close. So, I mean, I, a, I think that I, I can only think of one time since I've been listening that you, you guys missed a week. Uh, we took like three weeks off in November. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. I mean, we re-released old episodes then, but like we, we almost consistently, there's been a couple of weather related things that we oh, didn't have, yeah. a, have an episode. There's been a couple of weeks. I think there's been like four or five weeks that we didn't release episodes in seven yeah. years. So I'll, I'll take that. Hey, hey, why not? You know, um, I uh, mean, that's, but, Oh, go, I was gonna say like that's a that's a pretty impressive record <laughs> for for anything. Yeah, it's okay. It's not too shabby, right? You know, uh, especially for being the person that was like, I'm just gonna do this myself for like four years. <laughs> it's a little. I mean, I still I'm still the one that you know takes the show and puts it on the computer and and you know runs the filters over it and puts it up because I don't really edit. Like editing is not a thing that gets done anymore. Yeah. Because I. It's, it's Phil's fault because Phil goes long, so I'm not editing an hour and a half show. Right. Um, that's so we're we're more like live radio now, which is fine with me. I don't have a problem with that, because you know we have other shows that are are more edited, like down with GAD, because you know I have this guy named Jesse Edmond who will edit <laughs> for me for money, so I pay him to edit my shows. <laughs> yeah, he's all right. Um, he's all right. <laughs> um, well, that's uh, and that's the thing, like. You've managed, uh, you know, and and when I say you, I mean I mean the group of you have have managed to grow and evolve this thing, um, you know, beyond where you started. You know, it's the the I feel like anybody that started doing podcasts without really without a net, you know, there wasn't anything around, um, is a little bit of a pioneer because, you know, it's so, it's so much easier to start a, start and launch a podcast now. And, and, um, you know, that's, I don't know, that's, that's really cool. Uh, and, and I think it's a testament to your dedication, uh, and to the dedication of, of the people that you've brought in that you've managed to grow what you have. So that's, that's awesome. Um, oh, and the reason I did a podcast is because I didn't want to do a blog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I'd, ra- I'd rather talk on a microphone. I like talking. I like being entertaining. So, yeah. I mean, like part of that is getting in front of people and, and chatting and yeah. talking. Um, I'll tell you the best thing that we ever did, which is completely and totally an accident, was when we when, when we started doing live shows. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, the reason we started doing live shows on we were streaming them on YouTube live or on Google Hangouts live. Um, because we needed a backup recording because we lost a recording one week. 
And we didn't have a backup. So at that point, I'm like, well, we need a backup of some sort. So we started, you know, streaming it. And then we, we were like, well, if we're streaming, we might as well put it live. So we put it live and then people started tuning in. And not a lot of people, but, you know, the 15 to 20 to 25 people that show up on a, on a fairly weekly basis, it was worth it. It gave a different feel to the show. It felt like we had a live studio audience, mm-hmm. which we kind of do, which is fun. Like, it's a good time to talk to those people during the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it also you interact with them on your show too, which is great. Mm-hmm. We take their questions live. Like it's, it's part of the the topic, whatever we're talking about. If they have questions, we answer them. Yeah. That's, uh, that's such, it, it, it was, that was a, that I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. When I started listening to the show, um, I was not aware of the, the live stream and, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to like get to know you guys. <laughs> was like that was such a cool idea, and I'm like, oh man, like the audience gets to be part of it. That's you don't hear that, you know. Mark Marin isn't We're, taking uh, audience questions, so. There's um there we're not the only podcast that we're not only podcast or stream that does that. There are other ones that do that. It's not an original idea or anything like that, but you know we it was fun to do. Like yeah. I'm glad that we did it. Yeah. Oh, and, and that's, I, I won't say that you're the first, but it was the first I encountered, um, that, that did that. Um, and now you guys, you know, the, the whole team kind of has a a little bit of, of clout because of, of all this, you know, the, the, the research that's been put into it and the, the, the work that's been put into growing it and everything. Um, you know, but one of the things you mentioned earlier was that thanks to Rob, um, the network has has become a little bit more relevant again. Is that? Do you think that there was a, a, a dip in relevancy? Oh, there was totally a dip in relevancy. Okay. There's there's a there's a period in there where um, uh, I got I'm I'm one human being, right? Right. Like, uh, and there was too many things going on, which is one of the reasons why I started diversifying everything and giving and, and letting more people in and, and paying people to do things and whatnot. And it's not a lot of money, but uh, it's enough that they'll that they wanted to be a part of it. And I feel like at least I can give them something for their time. Sure. Uh, so like the more encoded stuff that happens, the, the less I could do misdirected Mark stuff and the more shows that there were the less time I had to like promote everything and do everything. So like at some point I needed a marketing person and I'm like, well, let's hire a marketing person. We'll pay them. So we're paying a marketing person now Uh, we have, because the network makes money off the Patreon and off of advertising and things like that. So that's how we pay people. And uh, some of us are not taking as much money as we were before so that we can cover expenses and things like that. Mm. Uh, Which is, you know, fine with us because we don't necessarily need that cash for, to live anymore because you know we have better jobs and things like that again right um well go ahead uh so that's why the that's one of the reasons why the network has relevance again is because marketing is a thing uh for those for those people who, who don't realize this like if you can if you go make a thing that's awesome if you're not spending at least as much time advertising or marketing the thing that you have made then you're doing the thing that you made a disservice that's just kind of how it works well, and that's kind of the point I was actually going to make is that, you know, you hear about movie budgets and then you hear that the, the budget on the marketing for that movie was as much as the budget for the movie. And like, that's legit. That's just kind of how it works. Yeah. And um, 
I, I mean, I can even point to that being relevant for for role playing games. Like we uh, we kickstarted the Streets of Avalon, and we did that with some very um we had some very modest goals. Like we we blew out the goals that we were looking at. Like we intended to have, we're like hopefully we get 400 backers. That'd be great. We ended up with like 720, 713, something like that. Um, but we marketed that hard. Like we had content out during the Kickstarter every day and leading up to the Kickstarter, we were putting out little things or getting people to talk about it um, every every week, a couple times for like for like six weeks. So like we let everybody know it was coming and then it went off and then we kept letting people know about it and what was going on and uh, kept putting out material and content during the Kickstarter. Yeah. So like marketing matters yeah. a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, and it's, um, it's, it's a, it's an ever changing thing too. Um, so being able to adapt to, you know, whatever the market, you know, for example, um, you know, when I, when I hear people talking about like, um, or I mention like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe this thing I'm working on might be, you know, worthwhile. Oh, where are you going to get the budget to, to finance that? And like, well, there's, there's other ways to get that, you know, being able to adapt to Kickstarter has been a huge thing for, uh, for the gaming industry. Absolutely. I mean, Kickstarter is where you kind of need to go these days for the most part in order to make money off this until you're, until you're known enough. Right. Right. Like, uh, unless you're, I mean, evil hat doesn't have to do Kickstarters for all their games anymore because they don't, they, they, they have enough of a, of a market they have enough of a base and they have like you know a mailing list that has like you know thousands of people on it so they're like hey look this new thing from evil hat <laughs> so like, that, that also... give it to me yeah well there's that too there's name recognition there's there, there's brand recognition right and then there's of course like that uh that that list that you can just be like hey check my thing out right like to all the people who signed up for that because they want to hear from you so there's that too and um it's it's really useful but you're like kickstarter is good for getting money but it's not good it's it's not like the end all be all like you have to bring your um your audience to the kickstarter otherwise it doesn't really work yeah yeah and well that's um and, and that's the other side of marketing like like kickstarter is not going to make the money happen for you you then then you got to put in the work Yep. Yeah. I mean, podcasts are a low budget, cheap way to, uh, to get your, to, to market your stuff. Like yeah. you just have to be able to spend the time. I mean, you're spending mostly time and a little bit of money to, to create content. Uh, and it's, it is mostly time. I'll be honest with you. Like you could, you can do some decent podcasting for, for like 400 bucks, 300 bucks. Right. I mean, it's just your computer, a microphone, and some web space, right? Right. Uh, build your website and all that good stuff. As long as you have those skills to do that, like that is, and if you're consistent and you can build an audience with your content, then, you know, that's some pretty cheap marketing right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and once you have that audience, you know, they're, they're, they'll, uh, as long as you're, you're, well, as you said, consistent, um, they will be loyal. So, um, and and then you say, hey, I'm trying to do this thing that will give you more stuff to enjoy me with, and they'll be like, oh, have some money for that. Yeah, right. It, it, it's kind of how it works. That's We've done it twice now. It's been pretty effective. Also, <laughs> it also helps that once you get that money, you fulfill on your promise that you made. So you know, there's that too. That's the big thing. 
Um, now, I, well, so since we're talking about kind of where the industry is right now, um, I guess I wanted to, to, to ask you, um, like, I, I, I mean, I mentioned earlier that, that Dungeons and Dragons is mainstream and I, do you feel like it is in the main mainstream at this point? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, it will be even more so in the next five years. I will, I was thinking the, the same thing. Um, do you think that these other games that are out there are going to be able to kind of follow that wave? Here is, um, here's my thought on that. Um, these companies that are making these things like D and D the game, it does. Okay. It's a, it's a good revenue stream for wizards of the coast, but it's, it's, um, it's not what's, this is the unpopular opinion for gamers. It's not the thing that's going to make them mega Boku bucks on it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is actually doing rather well for them. Like that, that Toys R Us thing hurt Watsy, but magic and D and D made money. Like we're up up last quarter like that you can just go look at that that's that that's what happened um streaming has made D more of a thing there's more higher end pr- productions that are going on for like streams and things like that and streaming is the way way of the future for like twitch and youtube and things like that um also the the guy who's in charge of the of the D brand over at watsi and hasbro he's spending a lot of time in la these days because there's supposedly a movie coming sometime soon um but more more importantly like there's tv shows coming i'm pretty sure Maybe multiple TV shows. I'm pretty sure are about to show up uh, D- that are D and D shows in the next couple of years. Now, to to once again answer your question, uh, yes, I think be- because Hollywood and entertainment is going to start looking more at role playing games for content and for 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 stories like they did with comic books. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've already seen that with Tales from the Loop. It's yep. going to be on Amazon. Yep. So there's that, and I think because uh, I mean, people can always go to comic books for that stuff, but they're going to start coming to role-playing games because role-playing games tend to have interesting settings uh, that that can be utilized for for these new shows that people might want to make out of them. Uh, the only thing that they're lacking in the uh, in the role-playing game area is that we don't always have good stories. Mm. Mm. Like we don't have we don't have lots of good stories. We don't have lots of good characters usually in role-playing games. But you know, Tales from the Loop didn't have that and they're making a tv show out of it so like i could be wrong like this is giving writers a chance to go and and make something out of out of a setting which can be very interesting yeah that's an interesting point i the the one of the other the thing i was going to kind of bounce off that especially you know with um uh because you you know comic books are a thing i have a bit of an obsession with a little bit a little bit (laughs) um but like I think when Hollywood looks at comic books, they're like, oh, no, it's either Marvel or DC, which is not accurate. Um, it's not accurate at all. Yeah. But but I think that that's, you know, there's been this kind of Hollywood struggle. And the fact that we haven't seen an Invincible movie is the proof of that. But um, I do do Invincible as a movie. I feel like you just do Invincible like as seasons of a Netflix series or one of these streaming services as a yeah. series. Right. I think like, you're right. But I mean, if I remember, like the Umbrella uh, Academy, that wasn't a DC or a Marvel book, was it? No, it wasn't. Or is it a Vertigo? Uh, who, who made the? Yeah, so like that's a Dark Horse book that just got turned into a property. It's probably going to get a second season. It was really good. Oh yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and people are into it. Like people that 
have never read a comic book or know anything about a comic book or don't like going to see superhero movies have come to me like, have you ever heard of this Umbrella Academy? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, I think that that's, I think that field is expanding for them. I think when D&D explodes the, the gaming thing, though, you know, I, that's not even like, well, it's either this one or this one. It's like, well, the only one we know is this. So maybe we should research. And I feel like that's just going to, you know, your next thing you're going to know, uh, you're going to hear about a, 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 a Deadlands series or. Um, well, the Deadlands series got killed. Like Wait, it was supposed oh. to be on the it was supposed to be on the Xbox streaming service a few years ago, but that that um that pilot or that that uh, pre production got it got killed in pre production. Is there oh okay in pre production so okay yeah so it never got it never got a pilot it never got made but it was out there like somebody was somebody had like picked it up for a little while I guess so yeah like Deadlands should be a thing that gets picked up because there's characters and stories that can be tell, told there about the villains the thing is there's not a lot of not a lot of protagonist styled characters that you can um that you can just kind of pick up and run with right sure. there is no the only the only characters I can think of really I mean you could do the Dragonland stuff but it's not I don't know if that plays super well to a modern audience because it's like Lord of the Rings like I think for a modern audience, maybe the Drista Orden stuff works a lot better as far as storytelling because the characters there, to me, are fairly interesting and it's it's kind of like this epic high magic fantasy thing going on. And uh, I don't know, I think the writing and the stories are generally pretty good and pulpy for like action movie style stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a, good... a lot of people a lot of people argue with me about that, but I think some of those characters are fascinating, especially if you get deeper into it. Like you get to um, Artemis and uh, and Jarlaxle. And some of those later characters, then it's good stuff. Hmm. Um, I it's funny you mentioned the Drist thing, and I and I immediately thought, oh, that would be less of an ensemble. But I guess I forgot about the later stuff where he did kind of have more people around him. Um, well, the first uh, his his companions are Bruner, Caddy, Brian, Wolfgar. Like oh, yeah. he's got an adventuring party right off the bat. Oh yeah, forgot about that. Plus, Guinevar the Panther. You already got your 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 cute little animal to go with it. That'll rip somebody's face off. It's great. I mean, yeah. Like, I want to see the Panther. I'm I'd just be excited about that. Um, I it, it's. Do you would you anticipate a, a a world where like there's Dungeons and Dragons movies coming out every you know year from um I I know that they signed with some studio and I can't remember off the top of my head, but then there's like a dungeon world series and uh, what's another D and D style fantasy game from another company. Um, uh, no one dungeon world. There's no setting for it. That's true. That's um, true. <laughs> you have to look at the properties that have settings. Yeah. Like even a D and D movie, it, if it's not set in the forgotten realms, I don't know what they're doing. Right. Like it's just it's dumb if they're not doing that. Like they, I, when they made those D and D movies before and they didn't put them in an established setting that already existed, I didn't know what they were doing. I thought it was a bad move. And you know, guess what? It was a bad move. It right? was a bad move, right? <laughs> um, I mean, granted, the script was terrible too, but uh, you know, whatever. I mean, so that first Dungeons and Dragons movie, I hated it for a long time, and then one day I just was had it on or something. And I realized that um, 
if you if you take it as a game run by a game master whose uh, significant other is playing Dungeons and Dragons for the first time, and the rest of the group is kind of grouchy about it, um, you can kind of imagine that scenario, and it makes it a lot more. It makes it funnier. If I have to imagine anything to do that, it's a problem. Like we have movies called we have movies that are that have the the Marvel title on them yeah. that know how to do that know how to take something that is supposedly kind of weird and make it like palpable to people and not just palpable but like relatable to people. Yeah. Uh, if you can't, you could can do that with a D and D movie. It shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If you can do it with a D and D game, you can do it with a D and D movie. <laughs> I mean the that's why I, that's why I mentioned the Drist books because those characters are relatable. They're yeah. they're just arc, they're archetypes for people. Like the, they they function the same way as comic book characters do. So it's funny. It's been so long since I've read a Drist book that I feel like I don't I I just don't have a grasp. But that's that's a really good point. I think it might be worthwhile to kind of mine the the backlog of these these stories and see like what's of value i mean you know i i've had this conversation before with the marvel movies and people say why didn't they give thor's real origin and i'm like because it's insane like it's like you couldn't you don't want that it's movie. not relatable <laughs> it's not it's not good they the story they told was great um i agree I mean, it was. I like how they start a lot of those those films and how they introduce characters and whatnot. Like it, it works. It works really well. Introducing Spider-Man the way they did was perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um. I mean, that was one of the things that I've I've said many times. There's three characters in comic books. I never see need to see their origins again. But I've kind of expanded that that I don't need to see any origin again. But I know I will. Um. But. Mm-hmm. Um. But like. Yeah, I, I it would be interesting. I mean, there's so many great settings for for uh, for gaming worlds. Um, the 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 limited characters thing is is an interesting concept that. Uh, so there's there's two ways to look at it. Um, you have these settings, which means there's no characters, which makes it harder to craft stories around them. That's mm-hmm. that's one way to look at it, and then the other way to look at it is like, okay, look, we can pay these people less because they don't have established stories, and they're not as as popular as other things, and then we can go write whatever we sto- story we want to on top of that within these settings mm-hmm. and make it work. So you know, like, I can't believe there's not a Numenera like movie out there somewhere. Right. Like, I I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. Like, I can't believe somebody from Hollywood hasn't been like, huh, that's a fascinating thing. It's probably just because it's too expensive. Right. Like, but there is there is so many cool, like visual things in there that would be perfect on the screen. And, you know, it seems like CGI isn't as hard as it used to be. So, you know, and, and, and it looks crisper and clearer than it ever has. And it gives you this sort of blank slate to like to like build a story around and you can still use the themes from it to build the story and the characters and whatnot, which are, you know, exploration and discovery in this strange world with all these devices that are from a past, past ages. And I mean, I, I feel like if you can do like a wrinkle in time or, uh, or uh, 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 ready player one or something like that, that has this kind of like crazy, fantastic feel, um, you know, Numenera would be, I, I feel like that would be an evolution of kind of both those ideas where sure, you know, 
anything can really happen. That's actually a really great point. Um, I mean, I mean, there is that short film for Numenera. <clears throat> it didn't, and they made it. Like, I feel like they could. I feel like some Hollywood studio should just pick up that that idea and run with it. Like, it's it's not a bad one. Uh, but you know, that's I, I could be wrong about that, right? Like, because you know, how many new ideas are there really? <laughs> I mean, people tend to re- rehash things, and I don't mean new ideas. I mean, like, how many times are people trying to bring new movies to the to the big screen, right? Like, they're usually just doing retreads and whatnot these days. That's you're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's a uh, that's kind of a, a um, it's 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 been a, a bit of a, a issue with Hollywood for a while. Um, you know, it's funny. It's one of those things that I never complained about. And then I realized that um, this is the fifth movie with the story of uh, A Star is Born. Um, four of them all called A Star is Born. And mm-hmm. uh, I was like, you know, we, we don't need to see this story again. <laughs> this is too many times. But, you know, it did, it did well at the box office. So, it did I mean, well, yeah, it got, uh, it got praise. It has a song that's been stuck in my head for the last month. So. Um, so, so I think that the better place for that kind of material to go is on these new streaming services. Yeah. Honestly, like that's, uh, man, like I just got done watching not too long ago, happy, um, which is Chris Chris Maloney as a, uh, as sort of like a, a, he's a, a cop who is, um, he's not a cop anymore. He was a cop and he's for like 10 years, he's been basically a hitman or doing whatever odd job he can and basically on a death wish because he messed up his marriage. And then his daughter gets snatched at the beginning of the show. And her, his daughter has an imaginary friend called happy. Who's this little unicorn flying, uh, horse thing. And it's voiced by Patton Oswald and the unicorn flying horse, imaginary friend voiced by Patton Oswald goes and finds the dad and can be seen by the dad. So, you know, yeah. then hilarity ensues and the show is hyper violent. It's a uh, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like death to smoochy meets, um, meets, you know, pick a hyper violent television show, some sort of action flick, like lethal weapon. There you go. Right. Sure. Why not? Right. <laughs> there you right. go. Mesh those two things together and you get, you get happy. Yeah. Oh, happy was so good. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. I was surprised that I enjoyed it because those characters are so unlikable in so many ways, but they're so goofy that it, they're sort of likable, right? Right. Well, and there was there was times where you, you're not rooting for Christopher Maloney's character. Most of the time, you're not rooting for Christopher yeah. Maloney's character. <laughs> Such a piece of crap. But then sometimes you're like, well, he's trying to do a good thing. I don't know. I mean, oh, yeah, that that's... Uh, but in, in those unusual ideas... Um, being able to to come forward on television, I think, is one of the reasons why we're seeing such great television. So, you're 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 likely, uh, you know, I, I think you're right. I think that that's a good place for streaming services to mine it. Do you think that that um, Tales from the Loop is going to start a, a, a huge movement in that direction? Depends on how popular it is. Yeah, I mean, I I hope so. I, I so we, we sort of had this conversation on the after show last week for okay. this directed mark. Um and I was like I love I love Hydra Hackers is a little bit tr- I love Hydra Hackers as an idea for like like a like a series. Mm-hmm. Um I also really like uh, Long Live the Queen as an idea for a series. Um like in, in a show like that. But then I was like I really like Camden's um One Child's Heart mm-hmm. as a limited limited series like Netflix or one of these streaming services show that is six episodes long. 
that it's the same three or four professionals that are dealing with six different kids. That's every episode is them dealing with one of these kids. Because for those who don't know what One Child's Heart is, One Child's Heart is a role-playing game where you are a professional, that there's this piece of technology that lets you um, interact with a child's um, past, like see their past, and you can't do anything. You can't change their past because these are just memories, right? But you can at least give them support and try to um, give them at least the right mental guidance to make to, to have their lives be better in the future. Mm-hmm. So you can you can help them deal with their traumas from their past. So I'm like, I would love to see a short six episode series about that, about the same four professionals and how they change after dealing with these six different kids. That's amazing. Right? <laughs> like, how good would that be? Like, why isn't that a show? That yeah. should totally be a show. It's got sort of that um, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind vibe to it. Except, you know, you're not messing with people's minds, right? Like, you, that's not what this game's about, and that's not what the, the technology does. It just lets you delve into their memories. And they'll remember you, mm-hmm. but you can't, like, change their memories because they're memories. They're, they're, they're hard-coded. So. That, I mean, and, and those are the ideas that could be mined for uh, a lot of, lot of uh, content. Um, here's the other question. Do you think that that's going to put having that, that extra content out there, like let's say tales from the loop explodes and everybody loves it. Do you think that's going to get more eyes and more people into the hobby? Yes. Okay. I, I have no doubt in my mind that it will, uh, because it already has done so with D and D. That's true. That's true. Streaming, streaming as an entertainment um, platform for role-playing games has brought more people to role-playing games. Like it's just, there more people are buying that stuff. You can just go and see it. Mm-hmm. So when Tales from the Loop does well, if if there's any mention of the role-playing game in those shows, then people are going to probably go buy that role-playing game. Now, not as many people watch st- the streaming shows because they don't. Not everybody has those streaming services, right? Like, mm-hmm. and we're talking like if three to three to five million people see that, that's a lot for those shows in a lot of cases. Yeah. Like where it's not the same as um, you know, whatever the Nielsen ratings are for television for network television and things like that. But even then, like like having having 10 to 15 million i think is the is pretty high for a network show not in prime time or whatever but like for different shows like i don't know i have to go back and, and do the research again it's been a while since i looked i could be completely wrong about all those numbers <laughs> but but still like the point is that not as many people are are going to interact with that um as as they would a show that was was on abc even now Sure, but but if two if two million people, two to three million people look at Tales from the Loop, that's that's like a couple orders of magnitude more than actually own that yeah, role playing game. I was thinking that <laughs> exact same thing. So you know, if if two if two percent of the people who see the show go and buy the role playing game, that's a giant giant bump for that role playing game. Yeah. Well, so um, I mean, it sounds. Like, like I kind of, I kind of felt like the conversation would go in that direction of like, yeah, no, it's looking really good. <laughs> like, like there's some good opportunities here. Um, it's an opportunity. It still has to do well, right? Yeah. It has to not suck. <laughs> it, well, it has to be, it has to be done, you know, it, it, it has to be good content. Um, yes. The execution has to be sound and the yeah. marketing has to be decent on it too. So people actually watch it. Yeah. Um, and because I feel like the uh, the old D and D movie, the old Dungeons and Dragons movie, um, did 
poorly in all of those regards and may have hurt the, the hobby a little bit. It did. No doubt. It hurt it. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, who knows that we've, we've got a, we've got an interesting future. Um, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm all about it. Like I want to, um, my, uh, my big thing to do this year is to, to produce an audio drama. That's where I want to go. And it's going to be a hydro, an H2O audio drama. I'm 100% on board with that, you know? Yeah. I'm so excited. I, I can't wait till I can, I, I, like I said, I'm just trying to get the last few things off my plate so it can be the thing that I can do in my spare time. Yeah. Uh, then I'll be very excited. <laughs> well, fantastic. Um, so, uh, I mean, we're going to drop links and I drop all my plugs at the end and everything like that. But, um, you know, do you, you're, you're so good at plugging your own stuff that, uh, do you, do you want to just go for it? Uh, sure. Let me, uh, so you should just go to encodedesigns.com. That is the place to catch all of the good game design stuff that we're working on. Like, you know, the streets of Avalon or iron Edda, which is about to be for sale. Uh, by the time people hear this, it'll probably be for sale on drive through RPG. Uh, so you can pick that up. And, you know, uh, you can get Love and Justice and Rocker Boys and Vending Machines, which are free mini games over on Encoded Designs or on DriveThru RPG. Uh, MrRectomark.com is for all the lovely podcasts in the world, right? Like, that is the best place to go get podcasts for if you want to hear all the cool stuff we're doing, including this show that you're listening to right now. <laughs> and uh, if you want to read cool stuff, you go to Gnome Stew. Gnome Stew's got amazing game mastering advice. Uh, I am releasing my Airy Peaks article, Airy Peaks setting for Dungeon World in a series of articles there. So, you know, the first three are already up. You can catch the fourth one probably by the time this one, this episode's out too. So those are the three places to catch me uh, on Twitter at Mr. Mark. That is the network and the, uh, this also this show's Twitter. Like you can cut, you can talk at doc there and we'll respond to you or put point doc in the right direction to, to get a hold of you. Uh, yeah. We, we have a Facebook page and group also that stuff gets published on uh, there's no more g plus community it's going to be gone by the time you hear this probably yeah. i mean it'll probably be there till april but it's just going to go away we don't talk about g plus anymore yeah. we should just get away from g plus <laughs> g plus is dead yeah it's dead it's fine <laughs> um and you can just support us all on patreon patreon.com slash mmp that is uh that is where you get all the good patreon stuff and you can get, get a few extra things and n- not necessarily for this show but for the other shows yeah. i i mean i hey I want to do some extra stuff. I just haven't figured out what that's going to be yet. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, Plus, don't you have like a comedy network that you're working on? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I, there's, there's, there's so much going on with that. Um, <laughs> that, that, that there was a point where I'm like, uh, I'm flying to, it's mere days before I fly to, uh, uh, LA and drive back. Um, that, um, the, the, I just decided to push it past that. Why, why are you flying to LA and driving back? What are you going out there for? Um, my sister is moving back into town. We can chat about that a little bit after. Um, but my but I but now the audience wants to know. My my sister is moving back into town for a little while, uh, and it's going to be the first time since her and I have reconnected that we've ever lived in the same area. So um, she was like, "Well, I guess I'm going to have to drive back. You know, it's going to suck doing it alone." I'm like, "Don't do it alone." And that's, so I'm going to fly out and we're going to drive back and hit a bunch of cool cities on the way. And I'm excited about it. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I'm very excited about that trip. So, and that's two days from now. I'll be, I'll be on my way out there. So. That's so very exciting. I'm so excited for you. I know. So take pictures, post them. 
Oh, I will. I will post. Yes. Um, yes, there will be. I've, I've already said that the Doc Palindrome Instagram will have things on it finally. So, <laughs> but, um, well, fantastic. Uh, Chris, it has been an absolute pleasure. It is about time I got off my ass and got you on here. Um, because, uh, it was, it was one of the things I, I said originally when I did the show is that I wanted to interview all the people of the misdirected Mark network. Um, so I think that, uh, I think I've, I've had Phil, I've had you. Um, and as I say to, uh, I, I say this to all my guests and I meet it every time. Uh, if ever you want to do another show, I'm happy to do it. I'll record with you guys anytime because uh, I've had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I'll be back in like two months. We'll just talk some more. Why I'm not? fine with that. <laughs> I'm not opposed to that plan. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, but the 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 tradition now has been um, to tell all the lounge lizards out there um, to. Um, um, oh my God, I forgot my tagline. I'm going to have to edit this. <laughs> uh, Lounge of Lizards. That's awesome, by the way. I love oh, that, that was, that was, uh, that was, uh, Bo Sheldon, um, came up with that. Um, oh, it's keep it classy. Is it keep it classy? Shit. How did I forget my own tagline? That's not good. Um, I don't know your tagline. I don't remember it. Yeah. Um, it's why it's your tagline and not mine, right? I know, right? But, I mean, I could say mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait. Uh, is What are we going to do now, Doc? I could do that one, too. You can do that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to take over the world. Uh, no. Um, it is. It's Keep It Classy. Um, so... As is tradition around here, um, I like to have the guests uh, let the, uh, you know, say hi to all the lounge lizards and tell them to keep classy. Would you be uh, so kind as to do the honors? Well, hello, all you lounge lizards out there. It was a pleasure speaking with you this day, and I say keep it classy. Beautiful. I mean, can I cook? Can't I? Quote, Dr. Carol Marcus. The original one. That's right. Quote, minor character from Star Trek. That's nerd cred. I want to thank Chris so much for coming on the lounge. Um, obviously, you can find Chris all over the Misdirected Mark Network. Uh, specifically on the Misdirected Mark podcast and live stream. Um, you can check that out every Tuesday. Um, as in, when I say The Lounge is a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs, um, with lots of other shows, including this one, that Chris is also on, that's Down With D&D. Yeah, Chris and the Mad Wizard Sean Merwin dish about everything D&D with a focus on the brand and the newest edition of the world's most popular tabletop RPG. Occasionally, I get a little shout-out. Yeah. So, 
um, because I have the pleasure of, uh, of editing that, that puppy. So um, you can find Chris at Misdirected Mark on Twitter. Uh, misdirectedmark.com is the website. Um, I mean, if it's misdirected and or Mark, uh, you know, Chris will be available there. Um, so go check check out his stuff. Um, Chris is, you know, working with Chris has been an absolute pleasure. Um, and it's good to find somebody that you can work with so well. So I'm happy to be part of it. Uh, oh, and you can also find him at the light 101. Jets all day long. See you later, lounge lizards.